On today's episode of State Your Line, we have Ryan Weber. He's the CEO of the Kansas City Tech Council. And we have uh, openings and closings this week. We've got a mixed plate of best Italian food in the city, so lots to listen to. This episode of State Your Line is brought to you by Lead Bank. Lead Bank is a community-minded, independent commercial bank recognized for its innovative approach to community banking and unique banking solutions that allow real people, real businesses, and their communities to thrive. Serving communities with treasury management and lending services, consumer client products, digital consumer banking, and innovative financial technology services, Lead Bank is the first choice for those looking for a future banking partner. Headquartered in Kansas City, Missouri, Lead Bank is known for being a small business advocate, having outstanding client service, and creating financial pathways to those who in the past have been unbankable. For more information, call 816-220-8600 or visit www.lead.bank. Welcome in to State Your Life, a podcast for Kansas Cityans by Kansas City. We are the Ritz Brothers. Monday night football game, which means another live or like we're going to record another live reaction basically and put that in as we've become accustomed to all year because we're just a Monday night playing team. I hate Monday night football. I I hate Monday (laughs) afternoon football. I would I would be so excited for this game if it were not the Chiefs playing it. Um, We're getting Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Oh, okay, that, yeah, that actually that that does something for me. That changes it a little bit. That mm-hmm. makes me a little more excited. But uh, I, okay, let me let me let me let me stop. Let me start over. I am extremely thankful that the NFL is doing whatever they can to make these games happen. I am extremely thankful that the NFL is not just saying, "Oh, let's cancel the game because of COVID." I am grateful that the NFL is making it work under the circumstances. However, I, However, I've had it with, um, I, I, I just, I've talked about my problems getting hyped. <laughs> that should be like a, the next men's, <laughs> men's health group. Yeah. Are you having problems getting uh, hyped Chiefs up? Chiefs fans, are, are you having problems? <laughs> are hype videos just not doing it for you? Uh, so I'm kind of just over these um, uh, Monday night games. From from a fan's perspective, I want I wanted a game so bad yesterday. All I wanted to do was watch Chiefs yesterday, but we'll watch it. Um, thank you NFL for making it happen. Um, I wish it wasn't a four o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday game, but I'm glad I get to watch football and I'm glad yeah, I get to I watch mean, the Chiefs. It, it, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I mean it's two o'clock for me on a Monday. That's weird. That's really definitely weird. having trouble. You should just taken the day off so that you could pretend it's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and started drinking early in the yeah, morning just sure. just to Make get some chili. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Well, it's like eighty-five degrees out today, so that that sounds like a bad choice. Uh. But we are uh gonna go ahead and put in our uh reaction here. Uh. Any bold predictions or uh I, thoughts on the game before it's, we uh? It's not a must jump win. Time travel. It's not a must win, but it is a. I'll be nervous if we look like we have against the Chargers and the Patriots and um, I guess the Raiders, uh, the defense against the Raiders. Um, Mm -hmm. The offense was fine against the Raiders, I guess. But 
I, it's not a must win. And I still think we'll win the, we can win the Super Bowl if we lose this game, but I'll be mm-hmm. a little nervous for sure. I'll be a little, um, yeah, I won't like it. Yeah, I, I think it's a statement game. I think um, Ooh, statement game. I think well, I think the players. I mean, the the way the media reacts to one loss in the NFL is just hilarious. Like all the talking heads this morning were questioning if if like Baker Mayfield's the guy and if they should bench him. Like that was the talk. Yeah. Which after like riding the Browns hype train for five weeks, yeah. the first five weeks. So it's just funny. And everyone long. wanted to jump off the chiefs. And so I'm sure they're ready to prove, uh, you know, that they're ready. And that's how we spun zone it last week. So mm-hmm. uh, we said that they, they'd be, they'd be coming ready to play. So here uh, we'll time travel and go post Monday night reaction. All right. Welcome into the chiefs pregame postgame show for state year line. Uh, all right. First thing I just want to say about like, before we get into the chiefs specifically, the NFL needs to figure out how to get like fans safely into stadiums because that broadcast is like on a Monday at, you know, two in the afternoon for me was dead. Really? No energy, no energy at all. Oh, huh? There's, there's no crowd noise. No. Yeah, there was. I thought it was very minimal hmm. and, and you can hear some, like you can hear like some light booze and, and stuff like yeah. that. But when you're just playing in Buffalo and there's no one in this, I, I think it just takes away from the broadcast more than I expected. I need the, the crowd noise to be louder or something oh, like okay. trick me. Trick I me. didn't, I didn't know you wanted everyone to get infected with COVID Kevin. That's a strong stance. Yeah. Uh huh. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. So, um, uh, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, Chiefs with the W, all about the ground game. Danny, is that one of your favorite games to watch? Seeing how big of a a game the running backs had in this in this one. I because we this have game. you. I'm st- we have I'm- you on air before this talking about how running backs don't matter, they and don't. then uh, all the running backs did was completely dominate and control the game. Well, if every running back did it, then I'll, if every running back dominated and controlled the game, then running backs clearly don't matter. Thank you for making my point, Kevin. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely hated this game. I'm like bad. I'm like mad. I'm like in a bad mood right now uh, because of uh, how little I enjoyed that game. Um, a lot of reasons to be frustrated about that game. Obviously, we won, but um, the reason why I'm not in a great mood. Um, I, we still didn't look great. We didn't look like our 2018 or 27 or 2019 self. Um, Mahomes still, I mean, it's it's six games now, and he still looks like he has happy feet a little bit. He still looks unsure in the pocket. He either mm-hmm. wants to uh, leave the pocket and run or leave the pocket and throw. He, he doesn't want to throw from the pocket, and I don't like that for, like, the next – I mean, that concerns me about the next 15 years of our franchise. Um, our defense was frustrated. We, we don't have a pass rush. Um, we yeah. cannot get Unless to the quarterback blitzing. without blitzing. And uh, I think Frank Clark, uh, for being as vocal as he is and being as trash talky as he is and being as, you know, we're, we're coming back with it. It's one Super Bowl is not enough. For being the leader that he is, he needs to play better because Taco Charlton is getting more pressures than Frank Clark, and Taco Charlton's making league minimum, uh, who we picked up for free, and we didn't give up a first-round pick for him, or two first-round picks, whatever we gave up for Frank Clark. Um, 
So that's frustrating. And and I'm I'm not like a blame the ref guy, but every call that could have been 50-50 went against the Chiefs, and it was really frustrating, especially in the first half. Some of the calls going against the uh, against the Chiefs that were pretty close and um, took away some big plays for us. So um, I didn't love that. Special teams was frustrating. Uh, obviously, I hated the play calling because I hate running the ball. And uh, again, there's no one better at throwing the ball to people who can catch the ball than Patrick Mahomes. No one on the planet. And we chose not to do that at a record number tonight. Mm-hmm. This was the most times we've ever chosen to not let the best thrower of the football throw the football. And so that is obviously going to frustrate me. So I didn't enjoy the game at all. I'm still pissed off, even though we won, uh, because I um, I think the Titans kind of exposed the Bills as not being that good. And Josh Allen threw for 122 yards, and um, mm-hmm. it's not that great. So... Um, that's how I feel. Um, didn't love it. It's a win. Fine. Move on. But there's been too many like, all right, it's a win. Move on. Forget about it. We won the game. Move on. We didn't look good, but we won Mm -hmm. ugly. Move on. That's just too many of that, too much of that. And that's unsustainable. Um, that leaves too much to luck. That leaves too much to chance. And when you win ugly, um, you don't take the game into your own hands and you leave, too much up in the air, and I don't like winning games that way. Yeah, it, it is frustrating, uh, but at the same time, you can look at this team, and you can say this team hasn't even come close to playing its best football on offense yet, and we're 5-1. That's what one. we think. I mean, I, I, it's, I, that's it's, what I believe. I believe that too, but we haven't showed that in six games. We haven't showed mm-hmm. the potential, the offense that we used to have. I mean, six games in, that's almost half, that's almost half a season, and yeah. we haven't shown – the offense. So, I mean, I know we won. I know we're five and one. I know we're a top three team in the NFL and mm-hmm. every power rankings list is going to have us one, two or three, but, um, we, we're, we want to win the Super Bowl, and, uh, that, I don't know. That's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly would like to see the, the team start to trend upwards. It seems a little bit flat as far as how we've been playing, but again, I don't think we've played our best yet. So, uh, still more to come. Mahomes dropped a, a sneaky little no look uh, in there. That was too. sweet. That was sweet. Because I, I was getting replay. sick and tired of all the. Um, if Mahomes would have done this, then it yeah, would be it's on ESPN. It's so annoying. It's like, well, sorry, but Sam Darnold is losing by thirty points, and it's a meaningless throw. Like it's not. It's not a huge throw in the biggest game of the week. Like so, too bad. Like I, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Like that was a yeah. sweet throw, but. When your team sucks and they're down by 30, those highlights don't get played. Like, yeah, it's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was nice for him to add another one. And people are going to be like, oh, look, now that's all ESPN is going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the no look throw. Uh, I like the new look offensive line. Um, yes. So, I mean, Mahomes, I thought, bailed on a lot of clean pockets. But again, there there were clean pockets there. Um, and uh, damn, that that was a motivated group who was just mashing people. And you think of Buffalo as a physical team, and and we just completely destroyed them up front on offense. Yeah, so yeah, found big a lot holes, of big... big holes for uh, those running backs to run through. And you saw that's why they're so valuable, like Daryl Williams, <laughs> you know, running through that that giant hole and scoring the touchdown. So yeah, uh, hats off to the offensive line tonight. Yeah, um, I can't believe it's been. I've gone through a list 
did I last week did I did I put Dan Sorensen on my on my hate list because he is so he's he's number two on the hate list right now behind uh, mm-hmm. Ben Neiman and yeah yeah he had the pick at the end the game was already over that pick took our it wasn't um, over until he picked that 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 pick took oh. our win probability from ninety nine point five to ninety nine point nine so the game was mm-hmm. already over that pick didn't matter Dan Sorensen played bad up until that point. Um, so don't forget that Dan Sorensen is bad. Um, but mm-hmm. Marcus Robinson caught every pass he was asked to catch today. So good for him. Pringle. Yes. I, w- I want him more. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm just Dude, frustrated Pringle, and kind of in a bad mood. What a, what a freaking effort by Pringle on that 37 yard catch. He had, he was running a hitch on the backside of the play. No so doubt. many wide receivers just give up on that. Cause they know the ball is not coming to them, but he ran a hard hitch route. And then right into scramble drill, and it paid off. So mm-hmm. hats off to to Byron Pringle, aka Hingle McCringleberry, mm-hmm. uh, with a great play. So uh, that's all I've got. Again, I, I need a better environment. I, these I think these that's part stadiums. Of it. Just, well, I think your watching just environment are contributing too, to my my hype. What did we call it? Uh, hype. My la- lack of hype syndrome, whatever hype you want to call yeah. it. <laughs> my hype the- disorder. Disorder, hype disorder, HD. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Plus, your watching environment isn't great either. Yeah. Uh, watching but, by myself. Watching yeah. by yourself or just with one other mm-hmm. person. Um, that yeah. that hurts the hype because I, I watched it with um, a couple other people. And so I, I didn't notice, you know, we were chatting in between plays and just screaming at each other. And, you know, I was being a miserable <laughs> person as yeah. usual. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think your hype, your your own watch environment doesn't help. Yeah, I've got a, a hype hype disorder. You need so fake. You need fake. I need help. Uh, um, you know they they're pumping in fake crowd noise into the stadium. Yeah, I you need, need fake like chatter mm-hmm. in your speakers in the room yes. you're watching it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, Do you want to zoom for the yeah, next? Yeah, I'll just game? zoom. Yeah. Yeah, let's just zoom for the next game. We'll get like all of our friends on a zoom for that. That'll game. be so fun. Yeah. Oh my. That'll gosh. be great. I would. That'd be I great. think everyone would love that. Mm, yeah, it'd be great. It would be great. All right, so Chiefs five and one, on to the next one. Who is who's our next opponent? Uh, the Broncos. Broncos. If we Broncos. If, if we don't win by forty two, then yeah, <laughs> in Denver. All right. All right. Thank you, future selves, for uh, that detailed breakdown of the game. Fantastic job to you and I, Danny. Well. You know, Kev, it's not our job to be detailed breaker downers of games. It's our job to say what it feels like to be a Chiefs fan because it's a lot mm-hmm. of emotions. And uh, but I'll probably, you know, probably be complaining about Ben Neiman and and uh, and Demarcus Robinson. Yeah. I can I can see myself doing that. Oh, dude, we didn't even talk about Le'Veon Bell. Did he play tonight? Uh no, he did not play tonight. Okay. He did not play tonight. So okay. uh but yeah, that is a good point. Uh you are not on the Lavian Bell hype train. Yeah. And we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because this isn't a sports podcast and I don't want to go into the details, but running backs don't matter. They're ir- they're, they're they're replaceable and so th- getting Le'Veon Bell makes sense. If he wants to be our backup, if he wants to be a third down back, if um, he adds depth to the roster, although we have five running backs on the roster currently. Um, sure, but there's a lot of but, running backs. But but running backs don't matter. And 
running backs don't make teams better. Um, uh, running backs don't make teams better. That's just a, uh, well, a fact. Okay, I, I I think, but I but I also think it's true that uh, he does add depth uh, to this team. I think he's better than Daryl Williams. He's better than Darwin Thompson. Hundred percent. Um. So I mean, I get having a better backup running back isn't going to elevate the team to a whole new place, but it adds depth at a place where I think we needed it after um, Damian Williams opted out. So we get another twenty six plugged in there. Sure. Uh, and I'm excited for it. So if um, he, let, yeah, let's see if he, you know. Terrell Suggs made a good impact. If he makes a bigger impact than Terrell Suggs last year, then count, count it as a win. But um, Terrell Suggs getting like four he be- sacks. He better be better than uh, Shady McCoy because well, he cost us two games. Shady McCoy had that really cool uh, that really cool hook and ladder. From that was Travis all Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. That was all Travis Kelsey and Le'Veon Bell yeah. cost us two games. If we so, want to do... Or sorry, Shady McCoy did. If we want to do a separate segment called... Um, Danny's thoughts on running backs and the current state of Definitely the NFL. Don't. Okay, then we'll stop there. <laughs> Definitely don't. All right. Um, okay, so let's uh, go ahead and move into some openings and closings. Uh, a lot of openings this week. The one I want to kick it off with, the one I'm most excited about, uh, we got Joe Vito's opening up in Waldo. Uh, I believe it just opened Joe up. Vito's. Uh, opened up last week. Uh, very excited. Heard that they're just like, are even having trouble keeping everything in stock. Things are flying off the shelf there. Uh, people are people are going there so much. So, um, I believe it's on the corner of like 85th and Warnell. No, 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 no. Are you no? sure? No, dude. It's it's going so. in uh, where one more cup, the cafe, one more cup. Oh, was that's right. Down the okay, street from I was Bobby Baker's the other spot. Okay. Yeah, so it's going in. Uh, I guess it's at, it's in a strip mall out in uh, South Kansas City, um, mm-hmm. and so it's going in where uh, one more cup was uh, in in Waldo. So like right across from the, the classic well. cup. Nope, one more cup. Ah, <sighs> or one last if, cup. If, okay, you know you you okay. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, one more cup in in Waldo. It's like just on the same side of the street as Bobby Baker's, just down a little bit. Anyways, that's okay. where it's going. It's a little tiny spot, but I think that fits kind of uh, the vibe that it's going for. And um, and yeah, I mean they've they've got you know full dinner and whatnot, but it sounds like um, they're they're doing a bakery as well and like Italian wedding cakes, lemon bars, biscotti. Don't know what that is, um, but they're kind of opening a bakery side of it as well. So. Um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be a good fit for for that place. I drove by it the other day, and um, it looks like it's like almost ready to go, or it is open. I, I don't know, but um, I'm excited. Yeah, it is open, so uh, excited to check that out as well. Uh, also, opening is a classic cookie. Mm, yeah, so reopening, mm. so... Classic Cookie in Waldo, also in Waldo. This is down like behind. Um, oh, it's not there anymore. Uh, Louis Wine Dive, um, back yeah. there. And basically, the owner um, who's had it for a long time is um, where is it? Mm. Where is what? 
Okay. Classic Cookie opened in 1981. Um, and so the owner who's had it since then is um, uh, looking to get out of get out of it. And so sold it to the person who lives um, like right next door to it, who's only separated by an alleyway um, in that house and sold it to her who's going to operate it with um, another friend of hers. And uh, But yeah, it was going to close due to COVID basically. Um, but this kind of saved it. So classic cookie staying open. Uh, they've got like great, obviously cookies, but really good breakfast and lunch as well. Um, and I think they're going to add a few things to the menu, but um, yeah, it's going to be good. Hours are going to be 7 to 2 p.m., 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Wednesdays through Sundays. Uh, so I think I'm excited about this because this is prime walking distance to uh, – uh, from my house. So uh, this will be a place we go quite often. Very nice. Um, also opening uh, tea shots. Um, so this with is a Z. The with a Z. Tea shots with a Z. Uh, so is this the, uh, the, the new golf uh, up north? <laughs> yeah. So this is the new, this is the top golf up. The new top golf. Yes. Uh, it's locally owned, I guess. So it's, it's, uh, the only one right now, I guess there is a place called Troon um, that is managing it, but it's locally owned and operated according to the Business Journal article. Uh, it's going to have two farm-to-table restaurants in it. Um, it looks like it's – I haven't been to Topgolf in a long time, so I don't know what's going in, what's going on at Topgolf, if they've done any technology updates. But according to the Tee Shots website – their technology is better because it doesn't rely on a sensor in the ball. It relies on um, the the camera sensor that picks up, you know, spin rates and ball speed and all that stuff, like like what you would use in a golf simulator. So it's basically mm. like a golf simulator that you're hitting out onto a driving range. Um, so, so you can play games like closest to the pin and all that. But again, you can also play like golf courses and stuff uh, through the simulator. And because it's not using like a radio chip in the ball, which is what, again, Topgolf originally had that. I don't know if that's how it still is uh, technology-wise. But um, TrackMan is the uh, sensor that is reading the balls. And TrackMan... If you don't remember, we talked about TrackMan with uh, Billy Daniels Daniels on our golf podcast yes. two episodes ago. And TrackMan uh, is like the number one golf ball tracking technology out there. So that's what they're using. So um, I think it has a, the potential to be a little bit different than Top Golf, but the same concept, basically. Mm -hmm. It is uh, um, where the Metro North Mall was, I think. R.I.P. Metro North Mall. Ooh, hot air balloons. Sweet, sweet place. Um, all right. So uh, I think that's, that's opening. Uh, yeah, it's open. It opened October 13th. Man, that's going to be a uh, Cerner team outing just mainstay now. It's going to only Cerner people are going to be there. Uh, well, they'll probably stay and do really good business just from that. Also, <laughs> I, I will suggest that for every team outing. I really thought we were done using Z's. At the end of words. Mm. Yeah, there was a bar in Aggieville called, uh, oh, dang it, Drinks with a Z. Mm. 
Yeah. I think it had a Z. No, like, it had an X. Oh, that yeah, that makes X. sense. Yeah, um, But yeah, T-Shots <laughs> with a Z. It's it's kind of like AIM, like an AIM profile username. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you just like throw out, throw in weird things. Or like or like uh, in Springfield, Missouri, I swear their business model is just change every C to Put a, a Z K. On it. No, or, or use a K. Like, uh-huh. like call it cash or something like that with a K. Uh, and that's how they drum up business in Springfield. Mm, uh, cashew chicken with a K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a deep. That's a really deep joke there about Springfield. Um, all right, and then the final thing we have open, uh, which uh, is uh, the new burger and fried chicken stand in the Crossroads. Uh, it is called Sauced. And first, as you're if you're listening to this on your phone, go follow them on Instagram because they're dropping some real tasty grams on there. Oh yeah. Uh, but man. I need to get there and get a burger and fried chicken, probably in the same sitting, to yeah. just try them side by side. They I, both look so dang good. I can't imagine going there and not getting this fried chicken sandwich. It's Cajun buttermilk sandwich. I mean, it's probably got a little tiny bit of heat on it. Oh, yeah. But, mm-hmm. those ca- Cajun's like more than a little tiny bit of heat, Kev. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got caramelized onions on it. Or no, no, no. The Smash Burgers are slow-cooked yes. brisket. With provolone and caramelized onions, that's the smash burger. Yeah, ground slow. Some of them are even topped with. with oh no, with brisket. it is some topped, topped with, with brisket. brisket. Oh yes. my gosh! So yeah, mm-hmm. um, chicken wings, burgers. Wow. Yeah, Just a, and it's described so, as a. So this is outdoors. Um, it's a little burger stand. Is kind of what they're calling it. It's behind Corrigan Station. So behind Corrigan Station which is on 18th and Grand Main area um, in the crossroads. There's a little courtyard back there, and it's really cool, actually. We used to walk by it all the time when I was down there. So um, that's where it is. It's an outdoor little burger stand. All right. That sounds delicious. I'm so in for that. Um, All right. Uh, So that's it for openings this week. Uh, closings, uh, let's stay restaurants first here. Um, cause this one's sad to see, uh, the Rieger closing, uh, its doors. We don't know if it's permanent yet. Uh, but, uh, Andy Rieger announced this. We've had him on the podcast before. So sad to see that having to close its doors here. Yeah, this is really frustrating for sure. It's, um, you know, Howard Hanna, who's the main chef there and uh, also part owner, he is a guy who just loves Kansas City. And um, he they opened up when during COVID at, uh, at the very beginning. They opened up as basically a community kitchen where anyone mm-hmm. could come and get meals, especially industry and restaurant workers who were laid off, um, could come and, and get food. And re- anyone could come and get food there from their community kitchen. Um and so they just wanted to help Kansas City. Um, I, I'm going to hold out hope that something will be done and somehow this can be saved because uh, this is one of those that it's just kind of, it's really sad to see and it's upsetting and it's frustrating that uh, we can't figure, um, you know, uh, the federal government can't can't find a way to help small businesses and, and people like this um, survive. Um, and so 
uh, we'll see. Hopefully they can reopen because I could see this being a place in 40 years people continue to go to. And um, yeah, it's a bummer for sure. For sure, bummer. Yeah, I know, especially a company that works so hard to to help feed people during, um, you know, the pandemic to then not be able to keep its doors open. Um, Reminds us how shitty this all is. Um, All right, uh, another more bad news. Let's just pile it on. Uh, The border war, KUMU basketball game, not happening this year, right? Yeah, um, you know, Bill Self uh, is just uh, a huge wimp and um, doesn't want to play Mizzou this year. I I don't know. I've seen conspiracy theories that Bill Self invented COVID um, just so he wouldn't have to play Mizzou this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not confirming or denying that. And I'm not even asking the question. I'm just asking the question that other people have asked. Did Bill Self invent COVID so that he didn't have to play Mizzou this year? Other people are asking that question. I'm not because I yeah. am a respected the, journalist. But Are we talking about the, the Tigers that finished 12th in the SEC last year? He was very scared of playing those Tigers? Well... That's right. Yes, Kevin. That's that's what other people <laughs> okay. are asking. I'm not okay. asking it. People are just asking it. Yes. Okay. So all right. Not me. So, yeah. The 15 and 16 Mizzou Tigers from last year, very very intimidating. Had had uh, had Bill Self really shaking in his boots. I'm sure. I I am sure. Yeah. That. So, anyways, it's going to resume in 2021 um, at the T-Mobile Center. Uh, it's going to be six years is what the deal is signed up for now. Six years. I think a couple, um, home, a couple away and then sprint center and and then maybe actually down in Wichita. I think they're thinking about playing one of the games, but, um, but yeah, Bill self, uh, afraid to play the Mizzou Tigers. No, there's no other Uh, explanation. Absolutely. No other explanation. So those are, um, I mean, anytime the, border wars not happening that's that's a bummer um because it's always fun to see and, and a great event for kansas city and uh so even as a k-state fan i root for that game to happen um so um all right uh let's see let's move into a little what we try this week um all right this week danny i saw you on the gram i saw you getting real basic Tell me about how basic you got at the Lewisburg Cider Mill this weekend. Um, not as basic as I wanted to get. I'll say I agree. The wind had other plans uh, for our basicness. It was just it was so windy, and everything is just gravel out there, gravel parking lot, gravel, gravel everywhere, and so it was a bit difficult to get super basic, and it was just like. You know when you know when it's really windy and you're standing outside and you're just annoyed because it's just so loud nonstop, mm-hmm. like the wind blowing yeah. in your ears and all you want is silence. Uh, and like you get in your car at the end and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a relief." The silence. So the wind yeah. put a bit of a ham uh, uh, hampering on our on our basicness. But but tell me about the basic things. Tell yeah. me about the the cider. Tell me about the the donuts. Yeah. So. Um, Got some cider, got some donuts. I'll, I'll say this: uh, it, they could they could charge more for for it. Like I got three donuts and two hot cups of cider, like, and it was mm-hmm. like seven dollars. 
Oh wow! Yeah, so I was like, I would one, expect like stadium price. Yeah, uh, you one you can charge four you can charge four bucks for each of these things of cider, a dollar a cookie, and that's eleven or a dollar a donut. That's eleven dollars plus tax mm-hmm. right there. I would have easily handed that over. So um, one reasonable prices. Two, the staff out there is some are some of the friendliest people on the planet. Uh, every everywhere you go, if you're inside at the general store, you're outside getting uh, cider. Um, people are just beyond friendly. Uh, but yeah, we took some pictures, uh, on like a covered wagon with pumpkins and hay. Um, and I got, you know, little James, little, the little, our little baby, uh, dressed up in a cute little fall outfit. Um, cause mm-hmm. it's fall y'all. And it's fall y'all. Uh, did some did his, just did, did, did his outfit say that somewhere? It did not. I I don't have that. <laughs> I need I need a it's fall y'all basic or at least something in you know the basic font that is everywhere. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, you know if we if you have kids, it's better to go out there as adults um, with babies because I went with another uh, couple uh, friends who also have a a one month old baby. Um, with babies, not much to do other than take pics by the cider mill. Um, but with little kids, there's like rot, like carnival esque rides and stuff like that. But uh, mm. just really windy, uh, and so the wind put you know, kind of, kind of, you know, put it downer on the basicness. But we manage. Yeah, we manage. This is what we try, not personal pine tars. Okay. Get yeah. Thank you, wind. Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Get over the wind. Thanks. All right. Um, what I tried this week, another California Kev adventure. Um, we got chickens, five Hey-o. little baby chicks. We got five little baby chicks that, uh, I'm helping take care of now. They are, um, they're like just up the stairs for me. So we got, uh, five, five chickens. Um, so I had to learn all about different chicken breeds as we were picking them out. You got, we ended up, we got a Brahmin, we got a black star, we got, a uh, blue blue Moran. Wow. Something. Um uh, an Easter egger. What do we eat at the um, grocery store? I don't know. Mm, okay. <laughs> Probably none of those. I need to know. Probably none of those. Do you ever see that Portlandia no. skit where uh they want to like know yeah. the name of the chicken? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they get lost down like a uh join a cult that it's led by Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. But yeah, we got we got so we got those breeds. Um, they're all look they all look different. They all lay different kind of eggs. The Brahmin's my favorite. He's very chill, or she's very chill. She's got hairy feet. Um, also, I named uh, one of the chickens Peanut uh, after the Peanut, thinking you know she might grow some big. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was like kind of a cute nickname for a chicken. It is a cute peanut. nickname for a chicken. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than uh, like and naming it's it just a double or something like that. Yeah. It's just called peanut. Um, and uh, yeah. So, but lots of maintenance. Uh, they poop like crazy. So you got to clean their, their poop out a Have lot. Have you ever played the game shit, chicken, shit? The drinking game? Um, no. Okay. So it's like you put, you put chickens in a, in a, basically a, cardboard box and you draw a grid on the bottom of the cardboard box and you take bets on squares and where the chicken's gonna shit and you just chant shit chicken shit shit chicken shit <laughs> until the chicken shits and if it shits in your square or something like that then you drink or you give out drinks and stuff like that my, my oh, springfield wow. my springfield friends that. taught me that okay i might have to play that because they're at the perfect age 
where they're like small and they just poop a lot yeah. and would so this is good um so that i learned and then um oh what was i going to say about these little chickens uh i got it yeah but but lots of lots of tlc lots of maintenance a lot of care didn't know it would be so uh so much i think i want but hopefully you think I could get a chicken coop in and uh, the six four one one three area code? You think they? Uh, they had them in the six four one one two. The plaza where I was is that Waldo or is that Waldo's like six four one one four, six four one one four. My neighbor had chickens, so mm. I and he even had a rooster. Um, Whoa! So yeah. Did he wake you up in the morning? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, That's sure did. Cool. Yeah, and then it stopped waking us up. So rooster might have been food mm. at one point i don't know okay so anyways though very fun got a chicken coop we got to let them grow for a couple months before they make it full transition to outside oh what i thought or what i learned the term pecking order yes from chickens got it this one chickens it makes they're sense. literally pecking each other okay to, to establish who the alpha is that's pecking order Ooh, i assumed it meant like okay like like first two the like the seeds so like if you put a pile of seeds in the in the coop they run and like the whoever's there first is first in the pecking order because they yeah, peck at the seed yeah. and they they peck at each other oh. and they're establishing who's the alpha is yeah, it got a chicken scary? consultant um no it's not like aggressive it's just like pecking at each other is so. the chicken coop um as nice to chickens as your house is to humans um yeah this is like these chickens are going to be staying in the ritz carlton okay chicken coops. that's what i was looks wondering. beautiful got a nice tin roof uh they got a ladder to go lay up to their roost to lay some eggs uh these chickens are gonna they're gonna have a good life and they're gonna be laying a lot of delicious eggs if you Colorful come across eggs. any other phrases that come from chicken raising make sure you mm-hmm. let me know okay i will do that uh so that is what we tried this week um, all right, interview. We if you got figure out Ryan... why the chicken crossed the road, let me know. Mm, okay, I'll, that that'll be my next step. Or mother, um, what a mother hen is. <laughs> uh, Ryan Weber joins us this week. He's the CEO of Kansas City, the KC Tech Council. So um, we got into a lot of things with Ryan. We got into uh, just you know what does the kind of the technology economy look like in kansas city um we talked about you know futuristic things that we wanted to see out of technology we talked hyperloop, hyperloop in kansas city hyperloop so if you want the latest on the hyperloop this is your interview here he is ryan weber all right today we are joined by ryan weber he's the ceo of the kansas city tech council um so ryan uh, i guess you know Danny and I, we know what the the tech council is and, and what it does, of course. Uh, what about what would you say it does? Kind of like your your elevator pitch to Kansas Cityans about truly like the mission of of the Kansas City Tech Council. Yeah, we like to say we serve as the voice of the tech industry in the Kansas City region, and there are three pillars or focus areas that we concentrate the work of the organization, and we're a Nonprofit 501c6 organization. I always say, you know, we're, we're not, I'm not a lobbyist. Uh, we're not a registered lobbying organization, but policy advocacy is one of those three areas. We can talk about that more later. And then workforce development is another key thing because 
there are so many tech companies that are hiring right now. There's just not enough people with those skills. And uh, we produce monthly reports that are free to the community in regards to what are those occupations called, what skill sets are needed, what certifications are needed, and what companies are hiring. And right now in Kansas City, there's over 3,400 open tech jobs in the middle of a pandemic. There's such huge demand for these skills. And the median wage is 54% higher than those who don't work in tech. So they, they pay exceptionally well. And then the third bucket is what we call industry access. So there's about 160 companies that fund our organization. We are funded almost solely by the tech industry and those companies. And we listen to them very closely. And we are lucky to have a C-level relationship with nearly all of them. And the importance of that relationship is that we're hearing from those at the top about what are the needs of their company, what are their needs of the industry, but also we're able to educate them about what's going on in Kansas City and keeping them engaged in this community. So those three buckets of policy advocacy, workforce development and industry access are the three concentrated areas. But then we're also, like I said, the voice of the industry. And what that means is that we're sharing the feedback from these companies to elected officials, to the media, and really representing the industry whenever we can at a local, national, and sometimes global level. Yeah, I, I, I actually saw that you got to go. Did you get to go to D.C.? Was it last summer or this summer? Uh, March of 2019. March. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Is it is it like frustrating or hard to go in front of like politicians and explain technology to them like <laughs> seeing the clips go viral of, of like old politicians who don't know how to use facebook trying to figure out you know with tech companies in front of them is that frustrating is that hard to do yeah i think you're referring to so uh senator moran's office invited right, yeah uh, to testify in front of a senate subcommittee on data privacy and what federal data privacy laws what the impacts would be on small and startup businesses and uh, right before that, let's get some context to that situation. So maybe a month or two before that opportunity, which was very cool, by the way, and very. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a lot of kids honor. in the room with you. Was it why? Was it like intern day or something? Were school kids, yeah. And yeah. there was a lot of journalists and a lot of lobbyists and a lot of big companies wondering. Okay, so it was to... serious, not just you and the kids. It was yeah, now you, you are uh, <laughs> testifying on the record. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Prior to that, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg and a few others had just testified in front of the Senate full committee, and it didn't go well. It mm -hmm. became very clear that quite a few members of that committee had no idea how the internet worked. They had no idea how companies like Facebook made money. <laughs> and it was clear that uh, those who were, that were deciding the fate of policies in the industry had had some room to further educate themselves on how these things work which is where people like me come in. And that's why associations exist, honestly, is you wouldn't necessarily see one of your employers going and testifying on an issue like this, but that's where I come in. And we're able to represent hundreds of companies in that conversation versus just one. And that was an important conversation around data privacy that still exists today. The US does not have protections for our citizens online, unless you're a child, or certain other protected classes. And that's incredibly scary with how companies use, sell, and repurpose the data that we give to them. And you can't opt out. 
So once you opt in right now, your data is mm. essentially gone forever without any control over that. And GDPR was passed a couple of years ago from the European Union and California was the pioneer like they often are with tech issues and passing their own privacy laws that are now in effect. And uh, the worst case scenario would be 50 cities or 50 states with their own policies, which aren't going to be any less regulatory than what California passed. And if you want to launch a tech company in that environment, you better have a lot of money to pay attorneys because compliance mm. will be overwhelming. So real quick, before we get into some fun stuff, I just want, yeah. Kevin has said before, Kevin, Kevin is fine with um, all the data collection on him and Kevin's fine with like, you know, AI learning and, and mm. as long as he's getting targeted ads, like he doesn't care basically about his privacy online. Um, what scare, scare him straight and scare me straight too, because I feel like it's one of those things, you know, how some people are like, well, I'm not a terrorist, so I don't care if the government is reading my emails. Like, obviously that is, a, you know, privacy is important. Um, but there are still people who are like, you know, I'm, I'm not a terrorist. So the government can read my emails if I, if they want, I don't care about the Patriot Act, blah, 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 blah. There's that same argument to be had about privacy online, like, oh, I'm getting targeted ads. I'm enjoying that. Mm -hmm. uh, scare me straight. Amazon right? knows what I want more than I know what I want. Yeah, so I need, yeah. You to, I need you to scare us straight. There is a role for data collection, right? So, I mean, they are getting better at advertising and, and maybe that means there's less spam coming your way and less um, advertisements that you're just not interested in. But Kevin, I do think at some point in time, you will want to no longer give data to a company because it's using it improperly. And you want to delete your subscription to that application or delete that service. And uh, while you can do that and you can remove it from your phone or remove all that data, you can never opt out of what they've done with that data. So they can sell that to a third party who sells that to whoever they would want to. And when you lose control of that privacy and that data, that's where we're into a very gray, if not dark area around this conversation, because there was a good example even recently where YouTube got in a little bit of trouble because uh, they knew when your children were watching YouTube versus when you were watching YouTube mm -hmm. and they were directing ads for children, but that's not legal and children are protected. And that's a good example of how our laws are protecting those in a protected class like minors and children. So, but, you know, we've had examples recently even of companies that have used data or sold data improperly, but it's not illegal. It's unethical and it may cost their business or their number of subscribers or users. And the most clear example of that is TikTok. And yeah, uh, TikTok, that's, that's maybe I do have a line. But if you joined it, they got it. So I if you ever join it at one point. Yeah, I don't so, think I ever made an account. I downloaded the app, but I never made an account, I don't think. Well, you opted in if you downloaded it. So mm, they got dang it. They got your uh they got me. They got everything they need to know what they need to know about you. And the scary thing about TikTok is teenagers are one of the largest users of that service. And they have no idea what opting in or, or data collection would mean, nor probably should they. I mean, let them continue to be innocent and not understand how all that works, but you know, for, for parents that don't want their kids on there anymore, it's in some ways too late because 
so much of that data is now stored overseas and that's scary. Yeah. Um, another thing that that reminded me of is, um, is anyone out there developing an app that just, this is just a general question because you're KC tech council, like you said, some of the data collection is good because it does send us relevant ads. However, I need an app that says I bought, I bought that already. You can stop sending me ads. The ads worked. The ads, I'm looking at you all birds. The, the ads <laughs> yes. worked. Uh, I, I don't need any more joggers. I, I bought joggers. Okay. So the ads worked. I bought a pair. I wish there was an app that was like, okay, just move on to the next thing. I've bought this now. Send me something else because I've already bought it. Yeah. In fact, uh, I did notice this the other day. And in fact, it was Alberts, ironically. Of course. Uh, I also bought Alberts and love them though. But uh, I keep getting the ads on Instagram and Facebook, and you can't actually stop seeing this ad because you purchased the product. You know, they, the problem is, yeah, they don't know that. I know. I need. I need to click. Want more of them? I want <laughs> so, to be able to click. Uh, I bought it. Stop. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay. You can, uh, that, that's something we. That's something someone can work on. Yeah. But what right. they're going to do is argue as someone who's going to need another pair in a couple months. It's not like you're opting out forever. Fine. Fine. Wait, wait, wait a few months and then send me all birds again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I've got a couple wish list items too. And I want to hear if you, uh, Ryan, if you've got like a couple like wish lists, I wish technology could make this and let me know your list. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you mine here. Uh, number one, self-driving cars. I, I need those. Uh, I recently drove across the country. It would have been great to just not have to drive, but be in the car. Um, yep. that's one, uh, battery powered, big screen TVs. If, if an iPhone can be on for eight hours, why can't we just make a huge ice cream? You know, like why can't a big screen TV just be powered by battery? And that way I could take it tailgating with me and I don't yeah. have to buy a generator. I think that should exist and it doesn't. And, um, and then like, even though Theranos, like that was pretty messed up and a really bad, company i kind of want the edison to exist <laughs> like I, uh, so you know i think yeah, those are my know, three by the way that those are interesting so self-driving is going to be here very soon don't worry uh yes in fact it's already here it's just not uh you know really been tested well enough yet mm -hmm. and then uh the the battery thing we need all the lithium ion in the world to produce the electric cars that we want to drive. So it, the price of that is going to go up significantly. Thank and uh, it just wouldn't necessarily be economical to have that. But I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think we're going to have gas powered generators though. Yeah, have you ever seen those like jackery plugs that you charge? No, yeah. They'll basically all going. Yeah, that's the future, right? That's what I and need. That's what I need. I have lithium ion in one of those. Mm -hmm. And then, um, what was your what was your third remind oh, me? Oh, the the Edison from Theranos, that uh, company that woman created yeah. that was fake, you know. But I yeah, wish yeah. that was real. It was a pretty sweet invention. She just never invented it. No, but that's very uh, Silicon Valley like, where you've got a bold vision and a plan and a team. Mm -hmm. Gosh darn it, you're going to make it happen. Just don't just get, lie about it along the way. You know. Yeah, and then I first, had first get a fifty billion dollar check, and then figure out then figure out how to build what you said you're going to build yeah and then figure out how you're going to 
exile yourself from the country and avoid criminal charges. <laughs> it was not yeah. quite smart enough to do that. But uh, do you have a wish? You know, I, do have a list. I think about these things all the time because um, I'm one of those people. I mean, ever since I was a kid thinking about, you know, can technology solve this problem? Like, can technology do my my homework in college? Can it make my expense reports better and other things in the professional world? But there's one recently, I mean, I'll throw this out because I don't have the time to, to do this, but I want to solve the problem of online job applications. It is mm -hmm. limiting companies from finding talent and finding diverse talent because forcing people to apply online and then setting parameters for which who's a candidate and who is not is a misaligned outcome. Constantly, you find people, especially in the tech world, who are developers who have a degree in music or art. It's the same side of your brain, but they don't have a degree in computer science. And they get no interviews, no callbacks until they prove they can code. And then eventually a recruiter finds them and, and things go the way they're supposed to go. But you know, if you're a big company, and I mean, we can use Google as an example, when you get 1500 applications a day, uh, there's just no way you can possibly find, you know, the candidate you're looking for. So they say, okay, we want the top 10% from the top 10%. And that's who we're going to hire because supposedly they're the best. And then what you've seen is uh, just as soon as last year, the leaders of those big tech companies saying, all right, we're no longer going to require a college degree to work here. And Hopefully that works its way downstream to the people actually doing the hiring to stop using that as a qualification. So when you apply online and you don't have a degree, but you have a skill, you may still be a candidate if the algorithm doesn't kick you out of the whole cycle itself. Mm -hmm. So the problem is not just applying online. The problem is the algorithm and the systems companies are using to find candidates and the individual who typically puts those qualifications in there do not work in the department or the organization or the role that they're recruiting for. And sometimes those qualifications are meaningless. And my favorite one is somebody who's looking for somebody with experience in an emerging technology that's been around for one year, but they want five years of experience in that technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And it happens all the time. And whenever those companies post those jobs, they get ridiculed in message boards. But uh, I just hope that there's technology can find a way to, truly find the best candidate for companies and not rely on online job applications with qualifications and algorithms. Well, that's, that's funny you say that because this podcast, like every other podcast, is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah. But they, they do sponsor every podcast. And if they want to give us money, we will take it. Um, uh, Ryan, one of the reasons we really wanted to talk to you today was uh, be, about the Hyperloop. Uh, I yep. saw in the K Kansas City Business Journal that, uh, I mean, I didn't think West Virginia ever beat out Missouri in anything. No, is it Virginia or is it West Virginia? West Virginia, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's even worse. So Missouri uh, did not get the finalist bid for- Maybe one. in moonshining, like back in the day, like making I don't know, Missouri, Missouri can moonshine. Missouri uh, can moonshine. Yeah, so can West Virginia. But- um, West Virginia was was the finalist for uh, the Virgin Hyperloop, uh, or to continue working with Virgin. Or uh, it's all very confusing. Where do we stand with um, one Virgin Hyperloop, two Hyperloops in general, and uh, three? What what are the next steps? What what's what's happening now that 
that decision was made, I think like four or five days ago about West Virginia. Yeah, and uh, I do want to start by saying I'm actually happy for the folks in West Virginia. This was a really competitive process and it took a lot of time and effort. Uh, it was clear that we were up against some serious competition and there were probably four sites that had made it to a final round and we were, we were the runner up. And let me tell you, uh, I'm not like a competitive person in sports or, or life, but when it comes to projects like this, I'm hyper competitive. And that Ooh, unintended. Is, uh, yeah, that was a tough, that was a tough loss. And I was as surprised as the world was that they chose West Virginia, but we shouldn't be because the people who led that project were very influential very wealthy and that includes the former ceo and, and chairman of cisco john chambers hmm. who also is friends with the chairman of virgin hyperloop richard branson and he was gonna his venture fund was gonna throw down some money so i guarantee the taxpayers in west virginia are throwing down some money but uh when i when i heard like all of you that it was west virginia i was surprised and a little bit shocked but then you see the people on the stage and the senator from West Virginia was from day one committed to making that project happen. So they had leadership, they had money, they had influence in Washington. We had those things too. So I don't want Kansas Cityans to think that that was not part of our strategy. We checked those boxes as well. And what came down to their final decision from the leaders over there was money. And that West Virginia was willing to commit a lot of funding up front today. We were too. I just don't know how much and from whom those resources are coming from, but we'll learn more about that later. But we're not out of it by any means. So mm -hmm. the Hyperloop Certification Center was what was announced a couple weeks ago. That's going to be a, a site where this technology is tested, but also proven that it's safe not a really a revenue generating location yeah so there's not going to be a lot of money to be made with that now if it would have landed in kansas city certainly there would be an economic benefit from that entire industry consolidating in the middle of the country in a place that already excels in transportation and logistics uh it would have been it would have been great but we also knew that we could have been mile zero for a commercial hyperloop route which would accelerate our standing in the transportation logistics world of cargo and people. And doing that from the middle of the country out would have been a, uh, a much, or it will be a smarter play than what the trains did back in the 1800s. They tried to go from the coasts and meet in the middle and went bankrupt trying to do it. And if you think about our country, over 55 million people live within a day's drive of Kansas City major cities like Chicago, Minneapolis, and then you go east to St. Louis, Indianapolis, and then you go south, you can go to Nashville, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Denver. I mean, we are so strategically located, which is why covered wagons stopped here. It's why we have huge amount of trains that come through here. And that's why we're one of only six cities that has four major interstate highways that run through it. So we will absolutely be part of the future of transportation I believe Hyperloop will be real. And I think the announcement last week or two weeks ago 
proves the company is deciding where it's going to happen first. And, uh, you know, anyone that's watching this, I want you to know that we'll be damn sure to make this, make sure that Kansas City is one of those first places. And it'll be a huge boon to our economy, but mostly because it plays to the strengths of our region already. You know, we're not out there trying to recruit the next Facebook or Twitter or Google. We probably can't support the growth of a company like that. What we can do are find companies that are using technology to accelerate industries that are already flourishing here and continue to grow those clusters. Yeah, honestly, like that, it losing out to West Virginia on the East Coast, like you're a K-State guy. It felt like when K-State football would continually get passed over for BCS games because of my perceived East Coast bias of ESPN. Wow. And, and that's what it felt like. Like, oh, we lost out to an East Coast city and it, it, it hurt and reminded me of, of that from K-State for some reason. <laughs> but so, Ryan, the, the, the thing that was announced in West Virginia is the Hyperloop Certification Center, right? That's what's That was what is announced. And that's just a place that's going to be like 15 miles, I think I saw, of, of basically track where any company can come, any Hyperloop company, Virgin or or. I think Hyperloop One, what all of the other companies can come and test uh, and certify that it's uh, safe. Like you said, that's what's being built in West Virginia. You know, you mentioned other companies. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Okay. So this may just be a certification center for Virgin Hyperloop. Okay. And that may open the door for a federal certification center. If you think about other industries like air travel, cars, rail, there's certification centers all over the country for that. Okay. And there's not necessarily just one location where all of those vehicles are certified. So I don't know what the future holds for like SpaceX Hyperloop, yeah. Hyperloop TV or, or Heart Technology. There's, there's more than just one company and they are catching up to Virgin Hyperloop very quickly. And they know that, which is why they're starting to make decisions and investments and yeah. locations and all I want Kansas City to build something basically exactly like the Sprint Center where it just like, but it, but the whole thing moves and just like those pods just come in and then, and then it turns real quick and shoots the pod out the other way. But like, I want the whole, I want it to be like a big Hyperloop hub and it's just like exactly like the Sprint Center, just boom and just shooting, shooting pods out across the whole country. What do you think about that idea? far from what it's going to be like it'll yes. be about that same size um you know the thing about hyperloop that's so different than like high speed rail and i could talk about this all day i love geeking out of this this has been something that i've been leading from a, a kansas city standpoint for years because i love finding these emerging technologies that play to our strengths and and then i get i'm also an incredibly curious person so i'll just dive in right i want to know everything about it who are the players what's the technology all that and the thing that always jumped out at me about this technology compared to other forms of transportation that have been proposed, it's on demand. If you want to go somewhere, you just go. If you need a product or a high valued shipment, like an organ to be donated, it just goes. It doesn't wait for weather, pilots. It doesn't wait for the next train or the next plane or truck. The trucks can only drive for 10 hours at a time. If they're a mile from their distribution center, they have to stop. It's a huge problem in how we ship things across this country. Yeah, that what Danny described reminded me of like an old mail room putting 
like mail in and then shooting it up to another yeah. room. Um, yeah. It's not yeah. quite like, by the way, but you know, <laughs> similar uh, thought process. Yeah. Um, so like kind of, I, I mean, I'm sure you've spent time thinking about this, you know, and we've all seen the Kansas city to St. Louis model, uh, in 30 minutes. Um, you know, would you see it expanding to like other cities and, and kind of how would you branch out from Kansas city if, if you were able to build a, a hyperloop system? Everywhere there's a highway. Yeah. Yes. I, say that I mean, St. Louis is the project that, you know, there was three of us that kind of built the Missouri hyperloop coalition. We got lawmakers engaged. We got companies engaged. We were the first to complete a feasibility study with black and beach and Olson, both Kansas city companies who led that first ever statewide feasibility study. We, what that, what that study proved was the line that we drew down I-70 is feasible. You can build this technology and infrastructure along existing highways. That is also a differentiator from high-speed rail. I want to be honest, that is never going to happen in this country. You'd have to acquire so much land and right-of-way, and it still doesn't solve the problem of on-demand travel. It's still impacted by weather, still impacted by fuel prices, and it's unpredictable. Unlike the system I'm talking about, which is not that much, well, it's not more expensive, and it creates so much more opportunity for moving people and goods. But it's new. It hasn't happened yet. You haven't seen it or experienced it, unlike in a train. If you've been to other countries and taken high-speed rail or taken a train system or gone to the East Coast in America and, and used that infrastructure, it's great, but it can be better. And that's what Hyperloop is proposing to be. Um, you talked about KC playing a role in this Hyperloop system. Um, what, what else would you say is like KC's reputation outside of Hyperloop? Um, Casey's reputation as a tech community in the United States. I, I mean, I, I'm sure you talk to other tech councils uh, from other municipalities. I know you're, you're just named the chair of the tech councils of North America. Um, what, what is Kansas City's reputation, I guess? What's our calling card when it, when it comes to our tech community? Yeah, maybe a different word that I'll use is perception. Because sure. in the tech yeah. world, perception is a driver of all reality. And if you can create a perception that your community is flourishing with tech companies, opportunities to work in the industry, pipelines for people to learn those skills and become workers in that industry, and also the companies, the products, and the people that work in that, your perception as a, a Midwestern tech hub becomes real. And I think that's what's happening right now. Our stock is rising. Our awareness across the industry is there. And yeah, I do have a great opportunity with that role with the being chair of TechNow, the Tech Council of North America, to understand what's going on everywhere else across the continent and uh, constantly thinking about ways to differentiate. But we're very lucky. Our perception is not bad. Mm -hmm. It needs to grow. There are places where perception is bad, and I'm not going to name them, but yeah. uh, haven't done things to change that perception very well about what it costs to live in those places. Uh, you know, the diversity of the workforce, the culture sure. of those companies, and that perception can be a negative thing as well. We don't have that. That's, that's good to hear because honestly, sometimes I, I'm insecure about 
sometimes insecure about Missouri and the perception that Kansas City gets as being a cow town uh, and maybe where Kevin's at right now in Palo Alto and, and other coastal I'm cities. I'm out here changing it. I'm out here. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Kev. One mm-hmm. person at a time. But <laughs> yeah. that's exciting to hear. And it's a bit surprising that because um, Missouri does a little bit as a whole kind of have a bad perception of being, um, you know, a little bit, you know, backwoods and and whatnot. So, uh, I'm honestly encouraged to hear that uh, Casey has avoided that and the, the perception of Kansas City is strong. I, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the hard work you guys do at uh, Casey Tech Council. That's not why I brought it up, but I'm just surprised to hear that, I guess. You know, and whenever I have a chance to speak in our community or in other places across the country, and I talk about our tech industry in this region, there are 102,000 people that have tech occupations in this region. I'm talking about the MSA, so just Kansas City, both states. There's 4,400 employers, and the median wage is just over 70,000 a year. And from an economic standpoint, the tech industry contributes almost 12 billion to our economy locally. We are a tech hub. We're not competing Mm -hmm. with these cities. I don't want to be compared to them. You're not going to hear me describe Kansas City as the Silicon Prairie. You know, as a marketer, like those things drive me crazy. You don't ever want to compare yourself to somewhere or something else. Agreed. We are Kansas City. We've got a great brand. I see you've got the Heartland flag in your background. Uh, even the branding of KC is something that other cities would love to have, right? Like I keep seeing people talk about Austin as ATX. I got to think about like, where is that? And then, uh, you know, or, or Pittsburgh as uh, PDG or something like that. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just know, LA it's a- is the only other one that I would, that I would listen to, to have right. enough, anything like it. Yeah, so from DFW, DFW annoys me too. Right, right. We got we got a brand that sells, but that perception thing is something I want to come back to because that is what's important. We got to increase that perception that when you come to Kansas City, you don't have to just work at Cerner, Garmin, or a couple other of those well-known companies, right? There's 4,400 of them. And I think we've got a great opportunity to show the diversity of opportunities here. And on that diversity conversation, we've got an opportunity to prove that we can have a more diverse workforce than the coast. And it's a more accepting place. And uh, I think that's incredibly important to that future perception. But we just want to own the middle of the country. I don't want to compete with Denver, L.A., San Francisco, any of that. I don't want to. I just want to win the middle of the country. And that would be an amazing accomplishment. So speaking of that, uh, what's like a cool... What's a cool tech company that maybe Kevin and I don't know about? So a company that you're like, oh man, in, in five years, everyone's going to know about this company or may, maybe not they're growing at that level, but they're doing really cool things that, um, that deserve recognition. Yeah, you know what I love about tech is that we don't have the timelines of like animal health or human health where we hope yeah. to have a breakthrough in the next 10 to 20 years. Things change so quick. Companies grow incredibly fast. And that's what's exciting, though, this ever-changing industry that we get to be a part of. And just recently, in the last month, you maybe saw an announcement of a company that probably few people knew about called Backlot Cars. Yeah. We quietly had a couple hundred people working in an I, office downtown. Half a bill. Half a million, yeah. And, but that's a good example of some smart people who found a problem that wasn't being solved, especially not with technology, built a technology and engineering team here, grew and scaled that product in less than five years to have a major acquisition. 
that's a great example. And you know what? That's not going to be the only one. There are probably, and I can name several more, including pay it, which is solving problems yeah. of how governments collect fees and, and interact with their citizens. And that's local and global now. C2FO, which helps provide liquidity for small companies doing business with big companies. Now they're going global and they raise a couple hundred million dollars from the largest funds in the world. Yep. And uh, those are making national headlines. Uh, but again, these are companies that found a problem and are solving it with technology, unlike the next app. No, no offense to your friends in Palo Alto, Kevin, but uh, <laughs> you know, those aren't things I get excited about. Um, you know, hype and, you know, when I go visit Silicon Valley and go into some of these bigger tech companies, and I see there's, there's 300 of the world's best engineers trying to figure out how to get better filters to a camera. No. We mm. got to do, I think we're focused on solving real business problems here. Backlot cars, folks. Yeah. And I think what you're seeing is like the, the rest of the business world is starting to value that technology. And, you know, 10 years ago, they were valuing whoever could get the most users to whatever stupid app you built. And you don't see that as much anymore. Mm. So I think our, I think uh, the landscape is changing in our favor. Yeah, and then you, you've talked about um, when you've talked about Hyperloop, it being one of these emerging emerging technologies that plays to our strengths here in Kansas City. Are there any other types of technology that kind of play to our strengths here in Kansas City? I mean, you've described how transportation, how we're such a great hub for that. Does Kansas City have any other strengths that you know technologies look for? Yeah, in fact, uh, just rattling a couple off my head here. So we've built great clusters of healthcare tech companies that are based here and Cerner being kind of the, the starter of a lot of that and attracting a lot of very smart people, young people to Kansas city mm -hmm. who have spun off or started other ventures in that world. We've also seen that with agriculture as well, because we are still very agriculture based States. That's still the largest probably economy in both Kansas and Missouri, but it's data that's driving further profits for farmers and ranchers because they're now getting sensors in the field that's telling them in real time about water and pH levels, when to harvest, when to plant, what crops are likely to be the most profitable. And now that there's likely a younger generation in charge of those farms, that's driving the future of those industries as well. We also have a lot of cybersecurity companies here because you know, we've had Sprint, now T-Mobile, Garmin, HR Block, Cerner. These are some of the largest data collectors and storage of that data. And so cybersecurity is incredibly important. In fact, the FBI has an office here that solely focuses on cyber theft and cybersecurity. And the Federal Reserve Bank System, the Kansas City location, is the IT and security hub of the entire Federal Reserve System. So uh, those are just a few that come to mind. I'm sure I, I'm missing some. And I, I apologize to others if I am. They're like, wait, you didn't talk about that one. But these are <laughs> some of the ones that tend to bubble up. And fintech is obviously another one of those. There's a lot of fintech companies here. In fact, the, I believe now the second largest stock exchange in the world is, was BATS, Bats which is mm -hmm. better alternative. Yeah, good. Yes, you know BATS. And so now it's SIBO. And uh, that's based in Lenexa, Kansas. Now there's only 30 customers on that platform, but it's uh, one of the largest stock markets. Mm -hmm. All right. All okay. Um, so I guess, um, you know, with KC Tech Council, you guys do a lot of community outreach and different events, activities. Do you guys have anything coming up that maybe someone who 
uh, was maybe nervous to get involved with tech, could maybe learn more about tech in Kansas City. Do you guys put on events or anything like that? Yeah, and absolutely. If you go to kctechcouncil.com, you can subscribe to our newsletter. And it, we send out a weekly newsletter that just has three things. It's called the Threekly. And uh, we try to keep it very short and sweet. I don't like reading newsletters. I know others don't as well. So we keep it very short and sweet. And uh, we also will send you monthly workforce reports so you can know who's hiring and all the other stuff I mentioned. And then we do have a couple upcoming things because uh, I know a lot of people have been impacted by this pandemic. We know when we see those job reports, how many people, but also disproportionate in certain communities. And that's been something really terrifying that you know mothers, minorities, women, they've been some of the most impacted by what's happened during this pandemic. And when I see that there's 3,400 tech jobs, we wanna solve this problem. And we have made a big investment in an apprenticeship program that we will announce and give more information out here very soon. But that is a model that has worked since the beginning of time, where you learn mm -hmm. a skill that pays well, you learn from someone who's done it before, and you become successful at that. It will work in the tech industry these companies are so new that they really haven't leveraged those programs. Luckily, the federal government continues to invest heavily in them. And we have found funding sources. We have found national partners to help us be successful in this. And essentially what an apprenticeship offers is classroom training with on-the-job experience and training. And that mixture is probably what a lot of college students hope that currently have and probably hope that we had but it clearly works. And after one year or two years, depending on the occupation you select, the median wage can be upwards of 65,000 starting. So for someone who's like a barista making 30 to 35, who may not even have a job right now, that math is very easy to do. You can double your salary and you don't have to just sit in front of a computer and code all day in the tech industry. There's so many different occupations and opportunities that, uh, they're really endless, but those are skills that are highly employable and they pay very well. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for the opportunity. All right, thanks to Ryan for joining us uh, this week. Uh, something different, but uh, a, a really fun interview. And I thought, you know, trying to go after the topic of technology is very broad, but Ryan did an awesome job of making it relative to Kansas City, and and I I was very interested by everything he had to say. Yeah, and Hyperloop, sweet. I I love the idea of Hyperloop. It gets me jacked. Mm. But yeah, I'm um. I hope we have him on at least at least like every every six months for a quick update on what's going on in Kansas City. Um, I I wish he I think he needed to scare scare you straight a little bit more on the dangers yeah. of I'm accepting cookies left and right <laughs> on the dangers the of accepting, accepting cookies. cookies, but mm -hmm. the, um, but yeah, I, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm still accepting cookies as well, but <laughs> someone solve, someone solve the, uh, the, the, yeah, I already I bought this scared straight. I already bought this, uh, button on, on Instagram yeah. ads. I, I could be scared straight a little bit more, um, about big, big technology collecting all my information yeah. but they already have so then i'm already like all right whatever so i've unscared myself i want a british um, person to to tell me about it so that i can hear them say mm. so i can hear them say privacy a lot 
I love that. Or alu- yeah, yeah. Aluminium is Al- my favorite. Privacy? <laughs> um, all right. Um, so thanks again to Ryan for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Uh, next up, uh, we've got a little Deets on the streets uh, where Danny gets to combine his two favorite things, history and traffic in Kansas City. So this is a big one. This is a big one. I bet you've big all one. been um, waiting for this one. And I bet mm-hmm. a lot of you thought you knew what this was, but you might might be wrong. So we're talking okay, Ward Parkway. Deets. We're talking Ward Parkway, um, the most beautiful street in America for the month of October. From basically yes. October 10th to November 30th, this is the most beautiful street in America. I'll fight you if you disagree. Um, mm-hmm. Ward Parkway, I always thought it was named after the family who owned Russell Stover, but which is the Wards, but the Wards, uh, Lewis Ward or Lou Ward, I never know which what it is when it's L-O-U-I-S. Sometimes it's Lou, sometimes it's Lewis. Um, Lewis Ward bought Russell Stover in 1969 from Russell Stover family or Russell Stover's family. So the Ward Parkway existed before that. It was named after Seth Ward, which I didn't think people named their kids Seth who were born in the 1800s. Yeah, no, no shot. I had no idea. So Seth Ward was um, a real estate mogul in the area. Um Lived right on 55th and Ward Parkway, not in the massive, huge, insane museum-looking house on the corner of 55th yeah. and Ward Parkway. Is that, okay. It's one one house uh, west of that, so is where Seth Ward lived. Um, he was boys with the ever-problematic J.C. Nichols, uh, so mm-hmm. maybe that makes Seth Ward problematic. I don't know. But um, he was a, a real estate mogul um, who owned properties all over uh, and business owner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yes, uh, Seth Ward, um, Seth Ward's sons, uh, bought no Lewis Ward, Seth Ward's son bought Russell Stover in 1969. Um, then Lewis Ward, uh, gave ownership of Russell Stover to Scott Ward, his son, and they ran it until they sold it in 2014 to, uh, a Swedish company. The Wards were at one point the 193rd richest family in America, which is pretty good. Pretty high up um, there. They fell off the list in 2016, but uh, but yeah. Times must be tough for them. I know. I can't even imagine. But Yeah, not being um, in that 200. But yeah, Seth Ward is actually who it's named after. He was born in the 1800s, real estate mogul, um, whose family eventually bought Russell Stover's chocolate in 1969 so uh so there you have it ward parkway the most beautiful street in america all right well that's good to know i i i've always heard the russell stover story but never about seth ward seth's like a name that had to like be popular maybe in the 1800s and then go away for like 100 years yeah and then, and then, and come, then back come back for like yeah 80s and 90s kids yeah agreed yeah <laughs> there's no one all named right. seth born from 19 19- 20 to 1980. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I haven't met him. All right, uh, so those are the deets on the streets, Ward Parkway. If you call it Ward, 
you're obviously not from Kansas City. That's the best. That's my number. Has that one ever happened feed. to you? At oh, this yeah. point, it oh, just yeah, cracks me up. Oh yeah, over on Ward. I'm like, where were you driving on? Yeah, on Ward. Seemed like a big I street. Know. I don't know anything Ward. And like, yeah, it's a huge street. How do you not know Ward? I'm like, I, I don't know where you're talking about. Ward Parkway. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's like, uh, that's like, yeah, yeah. Mizzou, Mizzou beat Louisiana State University this weekend. Louisiana State University, they must suck at football. That? Who the yeah. hell is Louisiana State University? They <laughs> suck at football. That's all I know. Yeah, uh, that's good. All right, so those are the deets on the streets. Uh, next, we've got a what's good in the neighborhood coming to you from Topeka. If this was any closer to Kansas City, this this kid might have been my Kansas City end of the week uh, for this uh, stunt uh, that they pulled. Uh so a seventeen year old male uh in Topeka crashed his car um uh, after I believe um getting going into a um convenience store, the Petro Deli mm-hmm. in Topeka, got naked and covered his body in ranch. After uh, crashing his was, car into it? Well, he parked there, got naked, ran into the convenience store, covered his body in ranch. Cops were called, so he fled. Again, naked, covered in ranch, got back into his running car, and then uh, took off and crashed that. So, mm. um, yeah, that uh, was probably what? tough to put the handcuffs and to catch that guy. <laughs> hey, um, you That's know, slippery. if if, uh, if he had been covered in blue cheese, the, the police probably wouldn't have done anything because they, they wouldn't have gotten near him because blue cheese is disgusting and ranch is so much better. But what, uh, what would be your condiment of choice to get covered honey in? Honey mustard. Easy. Just okay. licking that stuff off myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, ranch isn't a bad one. I love I love ranch. Um, and then also, I mean, I think barbecue sauce is a condiment just to be covered in barbecue sauce. Yeah. You know? It's just a little thick. Probably has some medic- it probably has some medicinal properties to it. Yeah. Like, uh, that we don't even know about yet, so. Uh, Only one way to find yeah. out. Get... Get, mm-hmm. get get screwed up on whatever this dude because it said he, he was, was under, under the, the influence. influence. It doesn't say what, but of a substance. Um, that's something. That's something right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. He he probably mm-hmm. also believes that running backs make a big difference on football teams. <laughs> so this guy's high on something. Yeah, it, those two things. You know, go hand when in you hand. Take this drug. Yeah, you're that crazy. You're just that crazy. Uh, so that's what's good in the neighborhood. Coming at you from Topeka. Okay, and next up we have our mixed plate this week. Um, Jovito's got me hungry and thinking about Italian food. So mm. I thought, why not? Mmm, a delicious little mixed plate it's kind of, of Italian food. Italian food is very like fall wintery too, like heavy red sauce and and red wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good good red wine in this this well in the weather you're having in Kansas City. That's yeah. that's peak. True. Yes. It's you missing fall yet, Kev? You missing fall? Uh, I get it at night. Um, yeah. It, the temperature really cools down. Um, I had to wear a sweater out by the pool last night, so mm. um, I got a little bit of a taste it's of it. It's a desert. It's a desert environment. Yeah. All right, 77 episode. So that means you get the the first pick for Italian food. Yeah, you know what What's it, it is. Be? I'm going I'm Damn going it. I'm going the uh this is like picking um I don't know. Who's who's the obvious who, who's not This is like picking LeBron James number 1. It's mm-hmm. Garozos, 
Um, I'm going with Garozzo's as my meat number one for a mixed plate of um, Italian food. They pull it off every time. Uh, it, it And you can go with a group of 18 people. You can go on a private date and it will still be awesome. Uh, and they always pull it off. It's always good. Um, again, you can obviously get the Spadini, um, but um, I'm a big fan of Noki, and they have good Noki because it's something I can't make at home and I can't get anywhere mm-hmm. else. Um, and my mom makes really good Spadini low-key. I'd like her Spadini more than Garozzo's. Shout out, Kath Ritz. But um, uh, everything about Garozzo's, the history... Uh, the ambiance. The birthplace of chicken spadini. Hey, it's uh, Mike Garozo. I like it all. I like it all. All right. You except, have to do the rest except of your you know what I don't like? Mike Garozo voice. Yeah. Um, antipasta. Antipasta. Yeah, I don't know what I, it I is. I don't I like no it. Idea. I don't like it at all. I don't. I'm too. I avoid that section it. on the menu. I avoid yep. that section on the menu. I. It's just cold Italian food. I think. Literally, they should just call it cold Italian food. Yeah, if you have an opinion that you don't like it, then people will think you know what it is. So yeah. that's a safe one. A that's a point. safe one. A mm-hmm. um, all right, my meat number one here. Uh, man, I don't know which one I want to go number one. I'm scared you're going to steal one from me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Il Centro as my uh, meat number one in the South Plaza. Uh, I've had their Spadini. Uh, they have a great reds, or uh, and then I've had their Alfredo as well, uh, which is delicious. Uh, appetizer, I did like a goat cheese appetizer um, mm. on garlic bread. Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenal, um, and a great spot to go out to eat as well. So great ambiance, Il Centro, fantastic. All right, I'm going. Um, my meat number two. I'm going Regatta. Regatta yeah. uh, in it's, Westport. Yeah. It is good. Um, again, fantastic, great spot. The lasagna is so good. A great pork chop as well. Um, and, and a really good spot. Again, you can get in and out on a pretty, if you're looking for a date spot, you can get in and out relatively cheap at Regatta. And uh, I like the new restaurant. Uh, it's fun to sit at the bar there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun. Go sit at the bar, drink a martini, feel classy, and then sit wow. down for your dinner. Mm. That is classy. That is very classy. All right. Um, I'm going to go with my, um, meet number two here. Uh, also staying in Westport. I'm going to go with Cupini's. Yeah. Uh, Cupini's is a great spot there. You can see them making that uh, pasta fresh every day. You can even buy some of that fresh pasta pasta from them. Uh, I'm a sucker for their lasagna. It has so many layers, mm. that lasagna. Mm. I mean, it, it's incredible. Mm. Um, my main man, Guy Fietti, has been there. You know, I, I don't know if you know Guy Fietti. He is the saint of Flavortown, that, that Guy Fietti right Pat- there. Patron saint. Um, and he's been there. He gives it, uh, he says it's out of bounds. Good. Um, so, no way. Uh, you said that? yeah, dude, he just, he told you exactly what was in the food he was eating and then no. said it was really good. No yeah. way. Uh, so Cupini's great spot, great tiramisu as well, Ooh. uh, for dessert. A lot of great specials. Sometimes you like buy a bottle of wine, you get a free tiramisu. So tiramisu. Tiram, tiramisu. Tiramisu. They, they gotta have that Tiramisu. Uh, all right, meet number, side number one, 
I'm going. Mm-hmm. I've kind of done good date spots. Keep it affordable. Now I'll go. Let me price. Let me take your wallet out. Slap you in the face with it. We're talking Farina in Crossroads. It's Michael Smith's new Italian restaurant. Um, it'll it'll hurt the pocketbook, but it is delicious. Um, they have all handmade pasta, which is unbelievable. So the pasta is pretty small. So the play there is to get both you and your date order a pasta dish, and then you split the ribeye because um, they have really good ribeye. And so, because most of the pasta dishes don't have a protein, so you split the ribeye and then spend the rest of your money on wine and cocktails. And uh, it's one of the best dinners you'll have because it's fine dining and you feel really fancy, but it, you can also like kind of have a little too much to drink there and uh, be fine. So um, mm. Farina and the Crossroads, a uh, little pricey, but it, you know it's got three dollar signs next to it, Kev. Oh um, wow! Okay, but it's yeah. good. All right, uh, I'm kind of going back and forth uh, between a couple of these, but um, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Bella Napoli. Ah, and, uh, it's Brookside. My, it's my hood. Yeah, another another great spot. You can go as casual as getting pizza. You can get fancy with some uh, pastas as well. Uh, Get some wine there. They they have some patio seating right now too. So, uh, Bella Napoli, great spot. Even if you want to just jump in real quick for lunch, it allows that as well. So, Bella Napoli would recommend right there in Brookside. Delicious. Yeah, yeah, and everyone there like actually speaks Italian. And uh, yeah, if you sit inside, all you hear is Italian. And, and a couple. My waitress was from Rome. Yeah. When I went there, you see a couple. Uh, by the way, it's really weird. Um, like when if you describe Italian cult- culture as Roman, you ever done that? No. Yeah. Never done that. <laughs> yeah, it's Roman. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, good our, Ro- Roman food. Got some good Roman food. Uh, they have a uh, Roman market in there with some Roman, you know, ooh. Italian goods. Yeah. Occasionally, there. like a big, big Italian guy, stereotypical, will come and just order an espresso and just sit at the bar and just kind of stare at you. Um, all right, I'm going side number two. Um, I'm going somewhere where you can order one of, I just tried it last year. Um, uh, Lydia's in the crossroads Mm, as well. They have the pasta trio, which is one of the best deals in the city. Basically it's whatever three pastas they're serving that night, all handmade pastas, um, all you can eat. And it's like $22 or something like that. So, um, there's guys just walking around with all three pastas and you just give them a little, excuse me, sir. I'll have more of that. And they just come over and dump more pasta on your plate. Sometimes it's butter. Oh. But, um, uh, sounds like something Michael Scott would do before a, a big race. Just a yeah. Load. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's so good. And a good, uh, again, a little pro tip here. This is the only place I've ever done it, but I wish I did it more. Bring your own bottle of wine, pay the $10 corking fee. And, um, you know, save some money there. So Lydia's in uh, the Crossroads by side number two. That is a great, great deal there. Uh, get a nice bottle of wine and, and pop it open. I like that. All right. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go Northland with this one oh. uh, and, and go Trezomar. Oh, yeah. Uh, up in, uh, I think it's like Briarcliff. I don't really understand yeah, the 
um, Northland neighborhoods, but uh, very good food there. Uh, they have an awesome happy hour too. That's why I've been there um, with great uh, little appetizers, good martinis, uh, I believe, during happy hour as well. Um, and then it's not like you're, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, you know, you're not going to see like lasagna and a ton of pastas on there, but you'll see fish and, and, uh, pork chop and other things, um, Italian food. So it's a delicious menu, uh, would recommend it if you're up in the Northland, Trezo Mare. Nice. What'd you leave off? Um, well, I thought about just going pizza cause that is Italian but and, yeah, that doesn't, that's but funny. Il Lazzarone I think would have been legit enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Um, that. Uh, North in, in Leewood is actually really good. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like cl- classified as Northern Italian. I thought it was Norte. Mm, I, I think it's just North. Um, also, um, Lazia. I haven't been there yet, but it's on my list of places to try. That's in Crossroads Hotel. Um, and then uh, Plate is also a place in Brookside close to me uh, that I haven't been to yet, but uh, I really want to try. Yeah, uh, you stole my other ones. Minsky's also was on mine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I didn't know. It if doesn't I could count, count that. <laughs> Anthony's downtown does. is pretty old school. Yeah, very very old school place. Yeah, um, and then I, I had this on there too. Um, Jasper's over off of oh, the yeah. third and Jaspers. state line. Jasper's exactly. I, but I haven't been there yet, so yeah, I haven't. I, either. I didn't feel I could give it its. Do uh, there's, justice. There's Buca Carmen's Cafe here in, in in Brookside that I've never been to. Oh, Buca de Beppo. Yeah, classy. There, there's one right down that street from me in, out here in California. Pretty sweet. Mm, gotta get and it. And then uh, De Bronx was on there too. Great lasagna. Good lasagna. So I thought. So I thought Italian. Uh, all right, that is our show this week. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media at stateyourline.com. We'll see you around Kansas City.